And do you know how many people would probably like run away at the sight of dismembered legs? Yeah. Dude, there's a four foot bong and a bag of wheat by your bed. <laughs> Which would make sense if you're driving well on that. It's in my pod! It's in my pod! I'm very easily startled, Mr. Finkley. <laughs> Tillywinks, the parlor game for nerds, is nearing extinction! I don't know which regulation body would regulate the uh, penis ring that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> I'm ready to remain conscious as we record this show. Hey, welcome to Michael Stuff. My name is Mark. That hurts in my butt when I get my vaccination, Frankum. And that thing over there is Chris. I just get mine in my arm, Finkston. Yeah, that's where they do them, typically, Mark. In the arm? Yeah, in the arm. You don't have to. Yeah. Right. Past a certain age, man, they don't they don't really put a lot of meds in the butt cheek anymore. Really? So I'm there with my doctor. He's <laughs> kneeling on the floor in front of me, reaching between my legs and giving me an injection of in my butt cheek. That's not normal. Are the lights on or off? Uh, well, uh, they're low. <laughs> Is there music? Yeah, there's like a violin playing, and sometimes there's a there's a, a waiter with some food, stuff like that, some wine. This is fine. Oh, okay. This is, yeah, that's normal. Seems completely medical. Yeah. Just, I know you felt a oh. poke, but did you actually see a needle? <laughs> uh, God what, damn it. What was that? What was that, Chris? <laughs> uh, nothing. <laughs> Funny, because it sounded like something. Yeah. <clears throat> but to answer your question, no, I never did actually see a needle. Yeah. <laughs> and it was 8 o'clock at night, which is weird business hours for a doctor. So, so I think I want to apologize to our listeners. Um with my voice, it sounds like I'm doing my uh, my best Mark Frankham impression that I possibly can. Uh, and that would be because I think I'm fighting a virus. Right. Uh, <laughs> I could have been a virus. Uh, segue. Mm-hmm. Um, Into viral infections we're going to be talking about today, Chris. Yeah. In one of our episodes recently, we talked about bacterial infections. And so this is sort of the potatoes to that steak. <laughs> okay. Um. So, just so you know, the reason Chris sounds like wonderful me mm. is because uh, we both are fighting colds at this point. Yeah. I think we're just, I call it prep work for the show. Absolutely. But, you know, I don't yeah. want to talk about something I haven't experienced. Exactly. You know, then that's. So, but that's kind of weird considering our last episode. Oh, it was breast cancer. Yeah. Hmm. Looks like you got some working to do. Yeah, we've also done one on STDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, shouldn't do episodes on things we've never experienced. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, I, I mentioned to a lot of people that I, I'm worried that my wife's going to see my search history right. and just be, <laughs> he's been looking up everything from HIV to herpes. Right. And it's weird. Her search history has gone to divorce lawyers. It's uh, I don't understand the connection right. there, but you know. <laughs> And private and it's investigators. That, it's one of those things that, you know, um, do I pre-warn her so if she finds it? You know, does that sound like I'm protesting too much? Or do I just worry, you know, not worry about it unless she finds it sort of thing, you know? Yeah, so it's, hey, sweetie, and also if you find anything <coughs> on there uh, about, like, how to cover up an affair, that's just podcast right. research. Exactly. That's- <laughs> yeah, we're doing a uh, on the addiction of uh, cheating. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, of which I, I am not. A- I'm a very loyal Right. Husband. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about before, you're not going to do any better. 
Right. Yeah. You know, I don't want to screw this up. If you screw that up and you have to find another woman, she's not going to be of the caliber you found this time. So. No. And I probably wouldn't have the patience. Right. You know. Um, I was talking about, you know, pre-warning Jesse about your search history, stuff like that. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine who came out of the bathroom and had been in there for a while. Okay. <laughs> and his girlfriend's like, what were you doing in there? And he goes, and I was really conflicted because I didn't know which one would sound worse, masturbating or playing video games on my phone, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is going to sound worse to my girlfriend. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, 20 minutes of flappy bird or, you know, <laughs> just touching myself while I'm in there. She might understand the flappy bird part though. Or <laughs> Yeah. But is it any better? No, you know? no. So, <laughs> I, I, so. I, I have sat on a toilet long enough. I, I have played um, I have played Angry Birds long enough to where my legs went numb from the toilet seat. So right. oh, I yeah. shouldn't. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh. Oh, we at all this have, man. you know, it's I mean, good game. Yeah. <laughs> so viral infections, uh, viruses are even smaller than bacteria and they require a living host. Yeah. And this is yeah. a marked difference than uh, bacteria. A marked uh, difference. Uh, yes. Uh, more of a Frankum difference. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a difference with bacteria because bacteria are uh, their own living organism. They don't necessarily they can live in a petri dish, for example. They don't necessarily uh, need a host organism. Versus viruses do, and viruses they go in there and they reprogram cells. Uh, and it depends on which cell it is, and different viruses can infect uh, different cells. But if it's a uh, but they reprogram the cells that when the cells multiply, they produce the vi- the virus. Right. Well, they take over the cell machinery, re- redirecting and produce the virus. Uh, some common viruses are the flu virus or co- common cold. Yeah. Uh, chicken box. Chicken pox, not chicken box. That's yeah, that's what I thought I heard you say was chicken box. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened when you heard talk with a stuffed up nose. Yeah. Uh, chicken pox or HIV is also a virus. The HIV. Um, the HIV, yeah. Um, you know, we're going to talk about some of those on down the line here, but... You know, there are many like meningitis or pneumonia or even the cause of your diarrhea can come from either bacterial, back, good Lord, uh, <laughs> bacterial or viral menin- uh, viral infections. Yeah. And together, and, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because like with us, if we take a patient into the hospital that's got meningitis, the big question is, is it bacterial or is it viral? Because exactly. it makes a huge difference on um, infectability. And what is, we can do about it. Right. You know, if it's bacterial, we're going to go take a horse pill. Right. Yeah, just one big shot of Cipro now. That's mm-hmm. all it is. One big pill. Um, so, that's do, you remember, do you remember the county calling up that one time? Because I was... I was um, I do. Exposed, and they were all kind of wigging out about it. We had to come take the pill and everything like that. And then we figured out the call was three months earlier, and they just kind of dropped the ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and at that point, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Right. If I haven't been infected by it now... I'm just not going to get infected by it. Yeah. So. Now, um, yeah, that's uh, kind of one of things that market, you know, we talk about how things can be bacterial meningitis or bacterial pneumonia. Uh, a lot of diseases describe more what's going on, like pneumonia and meningitis. They don't necessarily describe the virus or the cause of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like pneumonia or meningitis, for example, uh, itis literally means inflammation, and your meninges are the linings around your brain, so it's meningitis. Whether that's caused by a bacteria or whether that's caused by a virus, uh, it doesn't change the name of it. It just changes treatment, though. 
And one of the ways that you can treat infections, you can also your viral infections. Well, you can prepare for them by taking uh, vaccines. So vaccines are very commonplace. Uh, you know, you start off getting them when you're young, and there are other ones that you can get. That, you know, like there's the H. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's like the HPP, the HPV vaccine. There's the flu shot that you get every year, or you're supposed to get every year as you know part of adulting. I got mine. Um, Mark, did you get yours? I did. Good. Um, it's exciting. But anyway, uh, so yeah, vaccines, they can help you prevent forgetting a viral disease. So what a vaccine does is, um, well, I guess we'll explain kind of what the body does. So the body can build um, antibodies against antigens, antigens being the viruses that come in. And the way it does that is you get the antigens, the body looks at it, figures out what it is, and starts building these antibodies. Well, that can take a few days to do on its own. And for particularly nasty viruses, a few days is too long that by the time your body's like, Hey, I built antibodies for this. The virus is like, yeah, I'm, I'm bigger than you now. And there's not much to be done. So what vaccines do is there's a few different ways they do this. Uh, but what fa- vaccines do is they essentially, uh, provide the body with, you know, the kind of, have you seen this man photo and, uh, give the body a chance to build up antibodies while the vaccine, uh, or, you know, build up antibodies without actually being exposed to to the disease itself. So what happens then is the antibodies, those will actually go away on their own, but there's um, cells, but a part of your, in, in your blood that are memory cells, part of your immune system. And they actually remember how to uh, build these antibodies. So the next time that disease, you're exposed to that disease, it doesn't need time to uh, you know, generate that picture of, of the kind of antibodies it needs to make just makes them. And, uh, it's a lot faster and you, uh, you won't get sick because the antibodies are already there. Uh, so one of the things about vaccines, and I think Mark's going to talk about the anti-vaxxer movement here in a bit too, which is important near and dear to my heart. Um, but I also want to talk a little bit about herd immunity when it comes to getting vaccines. So, it's not just important that you get vaccines to save you, uh, but a lot of times people will bring up, it's like, well, you know, if you're so confident in vaccines, what are you worried about if I don't vaccinate? Well, it's called herd immunity. So the problem is there's a lot of vaccines that you're too young to get because you can't give it, you know, when you're an infant, you can't get all the vaccines right off the bat. Some people are immunosuppressed, and so they're not, they are more susceptible uh, to uh, to different diseases and may not be able to take the vaccine. And then there's also this is that nothing in this world, medications, especially works 100% of the time. You know, you can get a, uh, you can get a vaccine and it just, for whatever reason, didn't work. Maybe it was stored improperly maybe it wasn't given properly and it doesn't work. So, if you have herd immunity, so if you have, if everyone around you, however, has been vaccinated, you know, let's say it's 99% effective and you're that one person in a hundred, well, the chances of you being exposed to it is substantially less if everyone around you is also vaccinated. So that is why widespread <coughs> vaccination um, is effective at uh, treating diseases. Uh, however, we have the anti-vaxxers. Right. Um the anti-vax movement is uh, really a more of a loosely organized conspiracy theorist subculture, which uh, blames medical practice of vaccinations for just a huge range of health problems. Um, 
The movement is mainly led by people with no medical or scientific qualifications, or as in the case of, um, I think his name was Dr. Wakefield, you know, has been stripped of his credentials. Uh, Spurred by many different things, a lot of times just outright fear-mongering. There was, I know there was a um, study done because a lot of people claim uh, religious reasons for it. And uh, I can't remember his name right now. I read about it a little while ago. This guy went through and actually did a study or did did a research in the uh, Bible and tried to hunt down some of the religious denunciations in the Bible for vaccines and really couldn't find any. It seems like a weird thing the Bible would mention, given uh, given its published date. <laughs> right. You know. Um, scare a few lines against Facebook in there, oddly enough. That was bizarre. Right. But aside from that. <laughs> Uh, scaremongering, scaremongering opposition to vaccines is nothing new. It's not novel. It's been around for a while. Um, the original anti-vax movement started spraying up very soon after the first vaccine became uh, was invented by Edward Jenner in 1798. And a lot of times, you know, their reasonings behind it or their ways of getting people to join their movement just don't hold water if you put any logic to them. Uh, the, ba- the root word of vaccine, vaca, is Latin for cow. Oh, <laughs> so, really? I well, because the first, the first uh, vaccine was for smallpox and cowpox. Oh. And because they found that people were getting these diseases, um, but the milkmaids that worked with the cows all day long didn't because oh. they had developed an immunity. And so they were, he was able, Edward Jenner, um, not related to Caitlin, um, actually, I don't know. He maybe, Could you be. know, was able to figure out why that was happening and reproduce that. So vaca is a Latin for cow. Uh, and that's how you got the, uh, that's how you got the word vaccine. So as early as 1802, remember he developed this in 1798. So just four years later, the forerunners to the modern anti-vax movement literally claimed <laughs> that getting the smallpox inoculation would turn you into a cow. I think that's true though. <laughs> well, I just think there's more research needed in that field. <laughs> and like, where is there evidence for this? Was someone else on like, hey, you guys know that Farmer John has a lot more cows ever since they all got vaccinated? Right. You know. G- guess what I'm thinking. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, fast forward to, I mean, because we can talk about things like measles parties and stuff like that to be used as a supplement to getting the measles uh, vaccination or inoculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard about measles parties? No. This was something back in the 60s and 70s, and reportedly, although I don't know they were, I think this may have been something that the news put out there, but there was never any real organized effort, but they would have uh, measles parties where one kid would get the measles, let's all take our kids over and have a party with that kid so our kids get the measles. And then that way they get don't get them later. They're basically inoculated. And uh, then we don't have to get this poisonous vaccination. Jeez. So well, the, the best concept was to give your child the measles intentionally. Yeah. I mean, I, we did that with chicken pox when I was growing up. But I, there wasn't, I, I guess there's a chicken pox vaccine now. Right. But uh, I, you know, I didn't have it. You know, when I was growing up, because we didn't didn't exist, and so yeah, that's 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 what we would do. But I think a lot of people also take for granted that, 
you know, people say, like, oh, it's measles. You know, people don't die from measles very often. It's like, no, well, no. no, they do. Yeah. And, and actually people did like before vaccination. Oh, yeah. A lot of people died each year. I used to have these numbers on hand. Uh, then the vaccination came and just scroll crushed that but it's back on the rise again right thanks to uh, well i think also we talked about a lot of this in our medical myths episode yeah number two yeah oh i I don't think we ever actually got to vaccines we talked to yeah we talked a lot about like um oh you know like oh jesus christ uh homeopathy and those sort of things so i think we quite touched on vaccines so in 1998 dr wakefield uh, along with 12 co-authors published a case series study in the Lancet, which I don't know anymore, but I know back then the Lancet was actually a fairly well-known medical journal. Yeah, it's a big deal. You know, I think it still is a big deal. Um, claiming that they found evidence in many of the 12 cases they studied of the measles virus in the digestive system of children who had imbibed autism or had exhibited autism system symptoms after the MMR, but measles, mumps, rubella uh, vaccination. So... The paper stated they could not demonstrate a relationship between the two. Uh, Dr. Wayfield suggested a video released to coincide with the paper's publication that relationship did exist between the MMR and measles, mumps, measles, mumps rubella vaccination and autism. So um, he then recommended that uh, the combination MMR vaccine, va- uh, vaccine be suspended in favor of of a single antigen vaccine given separately over time. So, fun fact, the year before that, the same Dr. Wakefield himself had filed for a patent on a single antigen measles vaccine. <laughs> and so, well, I'll be. probably, yeah, you know. But this also now sparked the uh, modern anti-vax movement. Mm-hmm. And when people you know, were concerned about why they were doing this. You know, what was their, they went back to the study, which actually the study really didn't show the connection, but his video that was much easier to, especially at the birth of the internet, you know, where anybody now has access to this information. You know, it's, it's good to have access to information, but what's more important is that you understand the information you're looking at. Yeah. And we also touched on medical miss one, the ability to understand, you know, um, the basics of what makes a good study. You know, you can see things all day long in the news in the news that talk about, oh, well, this study says this and this study says that. I think the one that a lot of people use is that the chocolate helps you lose weight. Yeah. You know, but when you look at the actual study, it's not a sound study and it's not a reproducible study. Yeah, so. that was actually that was actually done um, intentionally to <coughs> that was a journalist. He went and uh, found a doctor and, and they cooked up this idea of, hey, could we intentionally do this and right. just see how far it would get? And uh, I believe their original goal was to see if they could pay to play, if they could actually get it published just by paying money without it being um, peer reviewed. And they could. And then the secondary goal was how fast would media pick it up? And the answer to that is nearly instantaneous. Or chocolate guaranteed that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and then uh, they they got a lot of kickback from the science community because science community is like, why did you do this? We already knew this. And now there's a bunch of people out there thinking this because it it went out there. Right. So that was another interesting thing. It's even once they announced it's a hoax, that it didn't stop it. Yeah. Well, and, and that news didn't spread. No, the, the morning shows weren't saying like, Hey guys, <laughs> turns out we're, right. we're they're not going to admit that. 
No, no, no. Well, that and it's not interesting. It's not blurbable. It's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a soundbite to go back yeah. and say, hey, we miss we were we were misled. You would think that the fact that they were misled would be a good story, you know, that they could, you know, rally against these two guys that <laughs> these two people yeah. that. Well, it's um, same thing for the dihydrogen monoxide thing. I love that, by the way, though. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a, a sociology major, I believe, did a paper on the uh, the effects and the pervasiveness of dihydrogen monoxide in our culture and just how it's in our water, uh, it's in our baby food, it's unregulated, it's, you know, it goes on and on and on. It makes all these very, very scary claims until you realize that dihydrogen monoxide is H2O. Right, <laughs> you know. But my, my favorite one is that uh, this is a substance that submarines require uh, to use, or that nuclear submarines use right. to operate. Yeah, <laughs> or, uh, Starbucks has been putting thermally agitated the hydrogen monoxide in their right. drinks. You know, you know, and it's so you can make anything sound bad if you put the right words on it, but without understanding the subject matter behind it, you really can't make a good decision on the you know what's being said. Right. So. Um, talking about vaccines, uh, probably the most common vaccines is a flu vaccine. Chris mentioned, you know, he'd gotten it earlier. Um, this comes around every fall and the same fight comes around every fall about people who don't want to get it because they're scared that they'll get the flu or that there's something else in there that's going to be worse than the flu or that they got it and they still got the flu, you know, um, so the seasonal flu vaccine is designed to protect about three or against three or four different influenza vaccines. Uh, research indicates are likely to spread and cause illness among the flu season. So um, this is done actually has to be done very early in the year. They have to make a final decision of which three or four viruses, because a lot of people think that the flu virus is just a flu virus. And no, there are actually mutations of it all the time, multiple mutations of it all the time, depending on where you are in the world. Do you think uh, they get the World Health, Health, Health Organizations? It's like horse races. Like there's a group of people who are like, all right, Jimmy, you're guessing uh, influenza H1N1. You're going right. H2B1, you know, like that kind of stuff. And they place bets on which one. Yeah, it's I think it's be. like a pool thing. They have like all the all the different flu vi- uh, viruses on the board. Yeah. And the different people have to lay money on which one they think it's going to be. And whoever gets the right one, then they uh, they win the pot. It's like a football pool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fantasy football, except <laughs> fantasy flu vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it. I had, you know, flu vaccine B296 on my team, and he's just dropped off the race. So. Oh, you know, they name them. Right. <laughs> Come on, Seabiscuit. Come on. <laughs> so the flu virus is constantly changing. So the composition is reviewed each year and updated as needed based upon. Uh, which flu viruses are making people sick, the extent to which those flu viruses are spreading, and how well the previous season vaccine protected against those viruses. Uh, twice a year, the WHO, the World Health Organization, organizes a uh, consultation with the directors of the World Health Organization's collaborating centers, uh, essentially a regulatory laboratories and representatives of key national laboratories and academic, ac- academics. Uh, they review the results of surveillance, laboratory, and clinical uh, clinical studies, and they, like I said, they have to make uh, a decision in February for the Northern Hemisphere and September in the Southern Hemisphere to make sure that they're ready for the next flu season. So you're essentially trying to guess six months in advance 
which ones are going to be the most prevalent. Which, to me, seems kind of tough. Yeah, that's well, that's why we're not doing it. You know. Um, that's why I have a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why we can throw stones. Much easier to sit yeah. back and just pick at everybody. Oh, I will backseat. I, I will armchair quarterback that shit from a mile away. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. scientists got the flu vaccine wrong this year. Chomps. Jesus so Christ. now that's the World Health Organization's recommendations. But then each country can make their own decision about which viruses are going to include in their flu vaccine for that country. And you that know. makes sense because that that's pro- I, my guess is that that changes depending where you are in the world. So that makes sense that you'd be able to do that. <coughs> right. Um, now, can you get sick from the flu vaccine, Chris? I don't think you can because I believe it's deactivated, isn't it? It is. Uh, you can get sli- you can get sick from the flu, or you can get sick around the time of the flu vaccine, but not from the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, you can get low grade symptoms like reactions, but these are going to be Low-grade symptoms are not the full-blown flu virus. You may still get some aches, low-grade fever, stuff like that. But also, if you've been uh, exposed up to two weeks before you get the flu vaccine, or, I'm sorry, if you've been exposed uh, before you get the vaccine, which can take two weeks before it becomes fully, you get full protection, if you get exposed to the flu virus at that point, you can then still catch the flu vaccine. Or, oh, gotcha. Can't catch a flu vaccine, but... Um, <laughs> I know what you meant. You, know, you can flu. still catch the flu. And then the, the third way to get it is that they were wrong. You know, yeah, just the ones wrong. that were The ones that were chosen, you know, one of them wasn't the one that became the most prevalent flu, vac- uh, flu virus going around. Yeah, or, so, it's entirely, or it's entirely possible that maybe you didn't catch the most prevalent one. You just caught a different one. Right. And you're just less lucky. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think that's probably what leads to a lot of people thinking the flu vaccine doesn't work or that it can cause the flu, those kind of things. So, what was it? The uh, the flu, I think it was back in the 30s. The Spanish flu, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, it was a that huge killed, like, epidemic. Yeah. Um, it killed millions and millions of people. Let's see here. In the U.S. Uh, flu, Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 uh, infected an estimated 500 people. Uh, 500. Ooh, 500 people worldwide. <laughs> uh, 500 million people, which is about wow. a third of the planet's population at the time. Wow. And killed up to 10% of those, 20 to 50 million people. That is amazing. It, including 700, 675,000 Americans in America. Wow. As opposed to the Americans that were outside America that died for it, I guess. I don't know why. Oh, okay. I it that way. Um, but yeah, so, so you're talking, so, okay, so one third of the planet's population contracted it and 10%. So what, 3.3% of the population of the planet Gone. Died, died from that flu vaccine that year? It's huge. Oh, God, not the vaccine. Jesus. <laughs> died from the flu that year. You're the reason people think this stuff doesn't work, Mark. Exactly. You're the one spread the rumors. Well, I'm not a shill of big pharma, so I'm just trying to subliminally uh, tell people the truth here. Oh, gotcha. There you go. You know. So, um, you know, when shill. you talk about vaccines not working, there's a direct, within the last hundred years, 1918, there's a direct example of how, why vaccines are helpful. We're not losing, although we could probably stand to lose, uh, we're not losing, a th- you know, 3% of the population every every year due to the flu vaccine. Yeah. You know, and you're talking about a time in 1918 where you didn't have the rampant travel you have today. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine how quickly that would spread now with people on airplanes and. Well, remember the Ebola scare because we yeah. had we had two confirmed cases in the U.S. here in uh, recent history. And our agency, the one market I worked at, we had a whole plan developed. Uh, we actually had uh, a patient, uh, air quotes around Ooh. the word patient, in our area that what she was doing is she was calling and making up this scenario that she was exposed. And uh, I went on her the first time, and it was the whole gamut. Basically, we had this thing where uh, we had plastic wrap <coughs> the ambulances uh, on the inside is basically like being in a bubble. And I was the lucky person that got to be in the back. And um, it was the hottest ambulance ride I've ever taken. Did you just air quote lucky? Uh, yes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to be in the back. And uh, the inside was wrapped in plastic, which meant you had no ventilation. You had uh, no... Because if you have ventilation, it's supposed to be like negative pressure, which we couldn't do. So, But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So negative pressure ventilation, there's negative pressure ventilation, positive pressure ventilation. Uh, positive pressure ventilation is where you pressurize the room uh, so that it's blowing air out. Uh, thereby, you're not allowing infections to come in from the outside. This is usually used in uh, immunosuppressed patients. When you want to try, you can only pump in the, the clean air. Uh, negative pressure means that you... The pressure outside of the room that you're in is pressing everything in, and that is used for infectious patients to keep the virus or the bacterial infection inside that room. Yes? Yeah, yes. So, um, so other, um, other antivirals at this point that you can uh, take, the big one right now is called PrEP. Have you heard of this? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we touched on it a little bit in our... STD episode, I'm right? 100%. So um, this is a, it's a pre-exposure prophylaxis, and it's for people who are at very high risk of HIV. Um, you cannot take this medication if you're HIV positive, because this is there to prevent you from catching the disease. And in fact, if you're on it, you have to take an HIV test every three months. The HIV, if you take an HIV text, test and you were exposed within the last three months. You will, you will not show up as positive. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So um, it's a combination of two different medications, uh, tenofovir and oof, emtricitabine. Wait, I'm, I've lost. I'm, where am I? Prep. Go down four lines. Oh, got it. There it is. Uh, and, and it's sold under the name Truvada. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God someone found a better name for that. <laughs> that's, that's what I was saying thank God for. What are you taking off? Oh, Tavenevir and m I really should <laughs> practice these things before we start the podcast. I don't know. Um, I think it's fun this way. Right. Now, this is also, it's not to be used exclusively. You're not going to take this, and it's not going to stop you from getting HIV. Um, it's going to decre- increase, decrease the chance of you being infected dramatically, but you still need to use safe sex techniques. Yeah, and don't share needles, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, uh, use a condom, uh, be monogamous. Condom over a needle? That doesn't seem... <clears throat> it's not very practical, I know, but, you know, you got to be safe. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you're in a, you're, if you're sexually active with, you know, more outside of a monogamous... Monogamous? Yeah. Yeah, you know, monogamous relationship I was in the other week. Um, <laughs> now, if you're going to be a non... If you're going to be in non-monogamous relationships... Then you need to be using safe sex practices, but also get on to prep. 
it's a daily it's a daily dose sort of thing. You take it every day. It's just like taking it for the pill. Um, and like I said, it's not it's not one hundred percent protection from that. No. So uh, HIV antiviral medications. Uh, these medications can help lower your viral load. They can help you fight infections and improve your quality of life. But even if you take them, you can still give HIV to others. Absolutely. There's, there's not a cure for HIV. You will no. have it for the rest of your life. Um, there is, um, I'm talking to some friends, and there seems to be a concept out there that undetectable equals untransmittable. And right, that's not. And it's just like taking the PrEP. It greatly decreases your chance of transmitting it, but you can still transmit HIV to somebody else. So uh, always be honest about your HIV status with partners before <laughs> before having intercourse with them so that then they can make educated decisions, you know. Um, so these are kind of some of the different uh, combinations that they have out there um, to help fight HIV. I'm going to let you say this one, Chris. Uh, so nucleoside slash nucleotide reverse transcriptase inhibitors. Have you been practicing that while I was talking? Uh, no, I remember it from um, from the last time we did uh, when we did STDs. Okay. But um, some people, I believe these are the ones they shorten. Uh, they call these the nukes. And the reason they call them the nukes is because they work on nucleoside or nucleotides. Right. Um, but I just like the name because it sounds like we're using nukes on right. HIV. <laughs> Little tiny nuclear bombs going off inside the person's body. What could go wrong there? Yeah. And so what these things do is, uh, so Mark mentioned earlier that uh, viruses go there and they retool the machinery of your cell so it produces the virus. Well, what the uh, NRTIs do is they force the HIV virus to use a faulty version of building blocks so that infected cells can't make more HIV. Uh, then you have the non-nucleo, uh, non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, the NNRTIs. Uh, so these are called non-nukes, um, air quotes. Uh, NNRTIs, they bind to a specific protein so that the HIV virus can't make copies of itself. Uh, similar to... <laughs> similar. <laughs> so, so Mark did the prep work on this one. Mm-hmm. And he just wrote a similar to jamming a zipper. Yeah, which on. I just see now this HIV virus is just trying to zip his pants. And he's like, God <laughs> damn it. Or God unzip his pants. And then RITs, RTIs. Well, the way I look at it is uh, it can't make copies of itself, can't get its zipper down to, right. you yeah. know, it, it's just. <laughs> what I had met, what went through my mind when I read that is, uh, well, maybe if you got a cotton in your zipper, you wouldn't have gotten HIV in the first place. Yeah, fair you enough. Know? So, and then, of course, there's the whole, how do you get the fra- the beans above the Franks? Oh, uh, God. Franks yeah. and beans. <laughs> um, uh, so. pro, uh, there's pro, pro-tease inhibitors. <laughs> um, I think I'm reading that word a little too phonetically. Mm-hmm. Is it just protease? Protease. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Protease inhibitors. Uh, these drugs. <clears throat> sorry. Um, these drugs block a protein that the infected cells need to put together new HIV virus particles. And they have fusion inhibitors. So fusion inhibitors, unlike the previous ones we talked about, which all work on infected cells, these drugs help block HIV from getting inside healthy cells um, to begin with. Now, as we talk about these, let's remember something Chris said from earlier is that. Uh, no drug is 100% effective. Absolutely uh, not. You know, if you take, you know, if you're going to take an antibiotic for a, a bacterial infection, you're going to have bacterial, you basically, you, you get the bacterial load down to a point where your body can 
handle it itself. So it's not running rampant. Uh, and it's similar, it's similar with these. They're not going to take care of 100% of the problem, but they're going to get it down to a point where the body can then, um, handle the, handle the viral infection through more natural causes. The main difference between viral inhibitors and antibiotics is you need to stay on the viral inhibitors because as we spoke about earlier, you need a living host. These are going to continue on some level to reproduce. Whereas if your body can keep, if you take a round of antibiotics, you get done with those antibiotics, you get back to being a healthy person. Your body's going to be able to keep that in check on its own, that infection, that bacterial infection. Whereas if you come off these medications, then the medication is going to start gaining again and you'll become then become detectable again and start having the, uh, the side effects of the, of the viral infection. Mm-hmm. So next one are fusion inhibitors, which I think is how you slow a sundown, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, then they use this in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, then the CCR5 antagonist. Uh, it stops the HIV before it gets into a healthy cell, but in a different way than the fusion inhibitors. It blocks a specific kind of hook on the outside of a certain cell so the virus can't plug in. I really like the movie Hook. Was that the one with uh, Robin Williams? Yeah, it was. Have you been watching this with your children? Uh, yeah, they get bored because it's a little more dialogue-y than right. what they're used to. But uh, I, Emmett likes it more than Charlie does. Yeah. So um, I watched a really bad movie the other weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I had to counter it with blazing saddles to make up for the movie we- for the weekend, you know, just to make the just to balance out the weekend. So I haven't seen Blazing Saddle in saddles for years. <laughs> oh, it's great! It's oh, still oh, good. I, I still love these. The uh, well, I like to play chess and have sex. <laughs> Screw yeah! Well, let's play chess. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, let's play chess. Oh, I think I think, I think Mongo's got a little bit of a crush on you. Oh. Mongo straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Gene Wilder died recently, didn't he? Oh, a while back, yeah. Never yeah. Year, a couple years ago now. Oh. Uh, Mel Brooks is still going. Yeah, yeah. I listened to a podcast with him. Uh, it was a Nerdist. They actually got, and that guy is sharp as a tack. He oh, yeah. was telling stories from like the 60s, and he could still tell them like who did what and where and when. Yeah. So he's either sharp as a tack or he was confabulating uh, the stories and just making them up as he goes. Hey, you know what? But he did it convincingly enough. Right. I so. agree. Yeah. Uh, after like that. A, <laughs> go ahead. I would say Mel Brooks and then who's the guitarist from uh, Rolling Stones? Oh, That's Keith just, Richards. Yeah, yeah. Mel yeah. Brooks and Keith Richards, I think, are going to live forever. Right. Well, was it uh, Steve Profontaine died while running one day, but yet Keith Richards is still alive? Yeah. and You, and, you tell um, me whether I should be exercising or not. <laughs> well, that or maybe I also need to do a mountain of drugs, right? Exactly. Uh, but I think he's just pickled himself from the inside out, so <laughs> nothing can happen. Exactly. So uh, you also get integrase inhibitors. Uh, these stop the HIV from making copies of itself by blocking a key protein that allows the virus to pull its DNA into the healthy the healthy cells DNA. Uh, they're also called integrase strand transfer inhibitors, or you know. INSTIs. Oh, right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I call them. That's what they go by on the street. Exactly. Yo, what's up, INSTI? Yo, man, what's up with you? <laughs> uh, monoclonal antibody. Was I close on that one, you think? I think you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, this is a new class of antiviral medication, specifically for adults living with HIV who have tried multiple 
HIV medications and whose HIV has been resistant to current uh, the current treatments available. Um, yes, yeah, pronounce wow. that one. <laughs> Go for it. Abelizumide. Yuck. <laughs> this is that last uh, or or Tregarzo. Oh yeah, it's, sure. Swoop in on that one. Thanks. Yeah, done, Mark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, blocks your body's HIV infected cells from spreading the virus to those that are uninfected. It's also it's also an IV infusion, so you have to go in and get this. Uh, and I'm not sure uh, how often you have to do that. I'm this assuming is- it's a reoccurring one. So when they were going through making uh, antivirals for HIV, was someone just like, hey, guys, let's just fuck up the names. (laughs) Right. Let's just make them all bad. They just grabbed a bag of Scrabble tiles, threw them down, and whichever ones were in a line, they they named it that. Yeah, and I I would say it would have to have some sort of organization of vowels and consonants, but based on the last one that you tried to read, I I don't think that was a requirement either. Literally, uh, was uh, um, last week I had to go to the doctor because I was out sick. And uh, it was a nurse practitioner that I saw, and she was trying to read off. She was reading off my medication list just to make sure anything had changed. She's like, this one, this one, this one, this one. I go, infliximab. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I go, it's actually pronounced Remicade. She's like, I like Remicade a lot better. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I think doctors get drunk, and they just kind of start blurting out words <laughs> to name their medications. I really do. Oh, God. I mean... Adizanavir. Jesus. On. Yeah, I'm going through some of these. Elvitagravir. Elvitagravir? You know. Oh, no. I don't know. So, then you have uh, Tybost. I'm just going to go straight to the to the uh, brand name because Cobacistat. Uh, <laughs> it's a drug that helps some drugs work better. So, it kind of, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Okay, we can't both be sick while we do this. <laughs> Potentiate? Um, there you go. Thank you. Yes, it is a potentiator of some of these other drugs. So it'll be com- combined with an antiviral to uh, potentiate the, the effect of the antiviral. So it's working much better. Uh, you have fixed dose combinations. And uh, some drug, ma- drug manufacturers put together specific medications into a single pill. So rather than having to take four or five different medications... They will put them all into one pill, so you just take one pill a day. But conversely, they make it ten times the price. So, come on, that was a joke, man. You gotta, oh, I'm you gotta sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was uh, Googling Valtrex. <laughs> okay. So, uh, that's actually going to come up in the next section. Yeah, well, I, that's why I was trying to get ahead of the game. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're finding new ways all the time to help combat viruses. But... Like I said, as opposed to a bacterial infection, once you take your medication, your body can then handle that uh, that particular infection and keep it in check until something comes along and throws it out of whack. Uh, with a viral infection, um, depending on the virus, because, you know, if you have herpes, you can go in and out of symptoms. HIV is going to run rampant. So without the medications, you're going to, you know, it's going to get to the point where you're going to contract AIDS and die. So you got to stay on these medications uh, to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, coming into the home stretch here, we're going to talk about some. Uh, so for the next section, we're going to be talking about uh, gonocephaloherpalades. Yeah. Um, it's a common virus that causes sores around your genitalia or your mouth. Uh, herpes can be annoying and painful, but isn't usually lead to a serious health problem. 
you know, um, herpes is caused by two different but very similar viruses, uh, herpes simplex 1, and just because they really want to be different, herpes simplex 2. <laughs> you know what, they, though? They really wanted to put a differentiation between the two, put some distance between them. All right, hey, but you know, considering our last complaint with how they named all the all the HIV stuff, <laughs> I, guess, I, guess gonna, I guess we're just not going to be happy either way now. Are we? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let this one slide. I'm going to say this one's pretty much they're built to bitch. So, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, both uh, kinds can make sores pop up around your vulva, vagina, cervix, anus, penis, scrotum, butt, inner thigh, lips, mouth, throat, and rarely your eyes. I just like how we we're going anus, penis, scrotum. But, but. <laughs> so, <In> the butts. <laughs> uh, strangely enough, if you get either HSV one or HSV two around your genitals, it's called genital herpes. There you go. And if you get either one of those around your lips, mouth, or throat, it's called oral herpes. There you go, man. You are nailing it tonight. I'm telling you. I know. I didn't have to look that up. <laughs> I just knew what those body just parts threw were called. Those out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, herpes is most contagious when sores are open and wet. So if you get a, um, what do they call them? Fever blisters or cold sores or all those kind of things, you are infectious. So don't be kissing people with cold sores. Not that you would want to kiss a person with a fever blister, but you Hey know. man, you get drunk enough. <laughs> things happen. Get them beer goggles going, man. You're good. <laughs> uh, so... Because the fluid from the herpes blister can easily spread the virus. And it's a skin-on-skin contact. Um, but herpes can also shed and get passed to others when there are no sores or skin. And, and your skin looks totally normal. So if a person has AIDS or, uh, Jesus, herpes, they don't necessarily have to be having an outbreak to be infectious. Right. They're less infectious, but not... Right. Does not go away. Right. Um, I'll tell you a joke. Okay. So we just talked about like, yeah, you know, things you do when you're drunk um, when it comes to kissing cold sores. So a man and a wife, okay, man and his wife. Don't kiss cold sores. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so a couple, they're, they're walking through, uh, walking through a grocery store and uh, he goes by and he, uh, he picks up a six pack of beer, goes to put it in the cart and she's like, hey, like. You know, beer's expensive. We can't afford beer right now. Put it back. And he's like, but he puts it back. They go by. She picks up like a $20 thing of makeup, puts that in the cart. And he's like, hey, what, what, what are you doing that for? That's expensive. And she goes, it makes me beautiful. And he goes, six pack of beer does that too. And it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> um, so there is one thing with herpes, though. It can't, like Mark said, rarely is it ever compl- uh, complicated, but there is something called herpes simplex encephalopathy, uh, and that's where HSV-1 actually spreads to the brain. It's super rare, but if it happens, it's super lethal. Um, HSV-1 is commonly the cause of oral herpes, and it's typically spread without sexual contact, um, though it certainly can be spread with sexual contact. Uh, only 2.5% of the survivors of herpes simplex encephalopathy will regain normal function. Uh, a third of the cases result in death. And so the remaining uh, percentage in between has usually some sort of neurologic dysfunction after uh, HSC that lasts uh, a lifetime. So are most of these uh, 
I'm trying to remember if the encephalopathy comes primarily from when you get it, uh, like in the eyes and the nose area, or is it just, can it go straight from an oral herpes situation where you have something on your lip? Uh, so they're not entirely sure how it spreads, uh, to intracranial. It's been, let's see, I'm scrolling down really quick. Uh, I don't have anything super concrete on it, but it is typically, it does seem to be typically it's HSV one and it's usually in patients who have a prior history of herpes, uh, oral herpes. So yeah, I'm not sure how it, how it makes that leap. Uh, but if it does, it sucks. If you don't get treatment, 70% of patients who do not get treatment will die. Right. That's the other thing. And that's bad. And, and even with treatment, a third will die. Wow. So, Anyway, super rare, super rare. Oh, thank God. But uh, but a kit, but it happens, unfortunately. Anyway, so um, brain <laughs> on infection. that note, let's see. I found a Medscape. Right. Yeah. Uh, the brain infection. Brain infection is thought to occur by means of direct neuro, uh, neuronal transmission of the virus from the peripheral site to the brain via the trigeminal or olfactory nerve. Hmm. It's like your nose. Yeah. Uh, don't sniff herpes. Exactly. Stop and sniff the roses unless they have herpes. Uh, but they said that the uh, exact pathogenesis is still unclear. Oh, gotcha. That's where they believe it happens, but they don't know. So maybe they just need to be quiet. You know, if you don't know. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, these are probably the same doctors that keep missing the flu guesses, you know, pretty, when pretty they're making much. the flu vaccine. <laughs> so we have to do a research base, you know, look at these guys, uh, Ability to guess the correct flu virus and uh, see if they're the same people doing the uh, herpes encephalo- encephalopathy <laughs> studies. Yeah. So, um, so now the virus cannot live outside; it dies very quickly outside the body. So, I'm not trying to cast, and this is not aimed at you, Chris. Okay, I'm just saying, people out there, if you are with somebody who suddenly develops herpes or, you know, tells you they got it from hugging somebody, holding hands, coughing, uh, sneezing, or they got it from a toilet seat. They're lying to you. Why did you make the disclaimer that you weren't directing this at me? Well, because it's just the way I was going to phrase the sentence. I didn't want you to think I was talking to you directly. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> because, okay. you know, I was making it, trying to make it a more broad statement for the <laughs> listenership. And not like, so, Chris. I thought you were saying, like, look, when your you, wife told you this is how she got herpes. It's- <laughs> or or your, you know, your, your boyfriend or your husband, you know, oh, I've got herpes. How'd you get? Well, I got it from sitting on a toilet seat that was infected. That's not possible. Well, was there, well, hang on, though. Was there a guy, another person sitting on the toilet seat <laughs> well, then as you well? Were, you were, yeah, but you didn't, you weren't getting it from the toilet seat, so. Well, I mean, if you, may, if you, if you craft the sentence, I got it after I sat on a toilet seat. I think then you'd have to back that. I think you have to generalize lying. that and make it I, after I sat on the toilet. Yeah, true. You know, because seat, seat is yeah. a very specific point. Whereas if you kept it general, not that we're advocating you lie to your <laughs> partner. I really, I think we're really enabling liars here at this point. By <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Yeah, so okay. let's just about stop a this terrible look. about a terrible thing to lying about an STD. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> we don't really want to enable people to. Oh no, no. On this podcast, I heard how to do this properly. <laughs> All right. For our next episode, the top 10 most viable excuses for catching HIV. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead and tune in. <laughs> so um, some of your medications for this we were talking about earlier was Valtrex, um, Zovirimax, and Famsir. And they're basically 
Um, there, I can't remember why. I wish I had put that in there. It seemed obvious at the time. But for different presentations of the herpes, they're going to give you different medications. Okay. So... It looks like Valtrex is uh, Valtrex is uh, Val Jesus H Valtrex is also used to uh, treat uh, herpes or not herpes, duh. Uh, <laughs> really herpes? Ch- oh, wow. <laughs> uh, chicken pox. Yeah, and uh, and shingles. Yeah, these um, these last three we just talked about are actually fairly multifunctional. They're more of a broad spectrum sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just because you find your loved one on Valtrex does not mean they necessarily have herpes, but you know. It may, should probably prompt an honest conversation, at yeah. least. So You better be telling me you have shingles, dude. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> Which, that's the new big push. Um, I saw something, and this is going to, this just pushed a button of mine today. And I, it's not today the only day that I've seen it. It's just the one that, it's the uh, HPV commercial. Um, which you probably should have covered HPV and the vaccine for that also. They're selling HPV, though? Huh? Yeah, I got this fresh batch in just recently, man. Nice. No, it's a commercial. Um, and it's the reason I hate this commercial, not necessarily because of the information it's giving out, but how it's presenting it. It's a, a young adult talking about if I, if my parents had known that HPV could cause this or I could get HPV this way and blah, 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 blah. You know, if they had known about that, then I probably wouldn't have gotten cancer. Ooh. And at the very end of it, of each actor, they cut to a child version of that actor going, you didn't know, right, mom? Dad? And that just drives me crazy because this is fear-mongering to sell a product. Yeah. Now, getting the HPV vaccine, probably not a bad idea. But they said they do say in the commercial, not this doesn't happen to most people, but it happened to me. But you're using the fear of not getting the vaccine for your child now for the fact they may end up with cancer down the road. Yeah, and like in in the HPV is just a risk factor for cancer, right? On those, that's a but it just it drives me crazy because you're 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 not putting. You're cloaking any sort of potential useful facts in just nothing but fear. A parent's fear. And then, at the very end of it, to find out more, go to this website, you know, stop HPV, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Sounds like this really, I mean, just like these people who just are, you know, they want to help. Except that right below that is the uh, emblem for the um, pharmaceutical company that makes the HPV vaccine. Now that kind of fear mongering is terrible, which by the way, if you don't educate yourself about right. things like medical stuff, those sorts of things, you could die. If right. you want to learn more, Listen tune into our podcast. <laughs> we have, we have right, multiple Dad? episodes. Exactly. Mom, <laughs> dad. And it's just, yeah. Uh, uh, I hate those commercials in a different, completely different severity, but uh, the hair coloring, was it just for men or something like that? Yeah. Where the guy's at the bar and he's got gray and the women are basically mocking him. And yeah. of course, you know, he puts in the, uh, just for men graying, uh, decreases the amount of gray that you've got. 
and the women are flocking to him. It's right, because that was the, the same, problem. Right, exactly. Not that you're 45, 50 and in a bar trying to pick up women. Now, there's anything wrong with that if you are. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's hammering on an insecurity just to sell a product. You can sell the product without having to just hammer on people's insecurities like that. Yeah, I mean, if only women knew the insecurities we face when it comes to just for men products. Right. It's yeah. not like it's not like there's any examples of uh, their insecurities right. being. Oh no, exactly. The exa- yeah. you, know, you can see rampantly, you know, talking about makeup and all this other kind of stuff, or you know, going to Victoria's Secret so you can be you know bustier or whatever. You know, not being able to be, it just uh, drives me crazy. Yeah, love yourself for who you are. And find somebody who loves you for who you are. Chris did. He got lucky. Yeah. Because she had to, she had to look deep. <laughs> <laughs> but she really a, didn't. She really didn't want to. That's the sad part. You know. There's a lot of crap she had to sort through. But oh, yeah. here I am. Uh, you know. Mark and I. We we have the same boss. Well, he's the he's a high up at our company, and um, like every day he reminds me that uh, every day he reminds me that I that I married up. He's like, I don't know why. Right. <laughs> oh, you absolutely married out of your league. You know? Yeah. Works for me, though. I mean, like, was it, uh, what was that movie with Jay, what's his name, where she's just, uh, she's out of your league or something like that, where she's out of my league. That's yeah. The movie. She's, yeah. <laughs> Boy, really? That's weird. <laughs> I figured I would have gotten that a little bit quicker. But yeah, you know, she's just beautiful and smart and funny and everything like that. And he's this insecure dork. And, you know, it's, there's Chris and Jesse. Yeah. In Say a movie. What? Actually, though, I'm not insecure. I, I'm remarkably overconfident considering what I got going on. <laughs> <laughs> considering what you've got to work with. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. You got anything else, man? No, nah, man. I'm all set. Okay. Uh, we are Medical Stuff. We're on Facebook at uh, Medical Stuff. Yeah, we're on Facebook at Medical Stuff. Uh, we're on Instagram at Medical Stuff 52. We're also on Twitter at Medside Stuff, M-E-D-S-I-D-E. Uh, go ahead. F-F. Uh, you can shoot us an email at uh, med uh, uh, medside stuff at yahoo fuck that up. <laughs> he also says an email at medside stuff at yahoo.com. Come on, the email is the one thing I do. Apparently, I know, but you apparently not it. actually. Yeah, yeah, tonight it was not in the cards. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Would you like to do that again? No, it's fine. You sure? No, nah, I'm going to leave it like this. I think anyway. <laughs> No, technically, technically, on the last episode, that I did the whole thing because uh, remember we lost the oh, that's right, last video recording. You and, fucked um, up the recording, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You <laughs> should go back and listen to how I ended that. It's funny um, because I toast, <laughs> but I just I toasted by myself. And I didn't have the same effect. <laughs> was it feel an aquatic, in aquatic toasting? Yeah, it was definitely an aquatic toasting. So. Okay, so thank you for listening. Uh, we'll have a new episode up next week. Uh, Please send us an email, questions, concerns, complaints, kvetches, whatever. We would love to hear from you. So yeah, or just you send us money. That's fine, too. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, you know, if you have an idea for a podcast, uh, send us an email. Uh, I had a person today who would like to hear an episode on Munchausen, which I think oh. would be interesting. Or Munchausen by proxy, both of those. That would be that would definitely be an interesting yeah, episode. talk about Baron von Munchausen. Ooh, yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, we're definitely going to have to research that and do that one. Uh, I haven't got anything else. Chris is done for the evening. You all have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening again. And toast. toast.